Uganda and Democratic Republic of Congo are joining forces to fight one of the most lethal armed groups in Congo. Ugandan soldiers have crossed into DRC to take on the Allied Democratic Forces, also known as the ADF. The group is blamed for violence in eastern DRC that's led to hundreds being killed and thousands forced from their homes, with many taking refuge in neighbouring countries. The violence is not just limited to Congo. Uganda says the ADF is responsible for several attacks on its soil, including three suicide bombings in Kampala last month. Will a military solution resolve the conflict? And can the ADF be defeated? Well, let's bring in our panel of guests. Joining us from Kampala is Godbert Tumushabe, the Associate Director at the Great Lakes Institute for Strategic Studies. Naleke Vanderval joins us from The Hague. She's the Project Director for the Great Lakes Region at the International Crisis Group. And from Abuja, counter-terrorism expert David Otto, Otto joins us now. And thank you all three for, for joining this uh, edition of Inside Story. I'd like to turn to you first, David Otto, because uh, with this situation, it's good to understand exactly who uh, these countries are dealing with. So just who are the ADF and, and, and what do they want? Yes, uh, thank you. Um, the, the ADF or the Allied Democratic Forces um, this is a group that established itself um, in the 90s, uh, precisely in 1995, um, and they seem to uh, come, you know, just during the period, you know, during the LRA, which is the Lord Resistance Army, and, you know, they, they, you know, they came as a parallel group, you know, of, uh, uh, you know, uh, protecting uh, the interest of, of Muslims, and since then, um, they have worked locally. Um, you know, but fruitlessly uh, to establish an Islamic kind of a state or a Sharia state um, within Uganda. But of course, as we know, uh, the Uganda Defense Forces chased the ADF out of, you know, um, the main cities in in, uh, uh, in Kampala, out of the northern part and into, uh, they then went into the porous borders of the DRC. And most recently, um, they've now aligned themselves with the so-called Islamic State, and they are, you know, uh, according to them, um, and one of their leaders, known as Musa um, Baluka, he's saying that uh, they are an affiliate in the Central Africa, you know, um, region, and they call themselves the ISCAP, which is the Islamic State of Central Africa province. So this is a group that has established itself within that region, but we know uh, that, you know, it's not just a centralized group. They've got so many cells that operate within that region. They are known to be aligned uh, to some remnants of al-Shabaab. They are also known to have links with the new group that uh, was formed in the northern part of Mozambique. So they, they have so many different uh, you know, affiliations. But the truth is that they are much more of a criminal network. And from the sources that I've spoken to on ground, you know, the use of the Islamic State logo or the title it's just a way for them to continuously preach an ideological component uh, to what most people have seen as a criminal network. So, um, you know, this is a group that I believe, uh, um, you know, carries out asymmetric attacks, as we've seen recently in Uganda, but also um, within the northern part of uh, DRC Congo. Um, but I believe that a joint operation, as we've seen recently, 
will be the best way to go about it. But, you know, a conventional tactics, as we've seen in the launching of airstrikes, you know, um, will be a very challenging one because, you know, most often this has to be dealt with from an intelligence uh, point of view. Okay. But it, okay. it's a movement that we really need to um, look into critically. Well, we'll, we'll get on to the, the chances of success with this uh, mission in a moment. But the fact that, um, uh, Godbert Mushabi, if I can bring you in, the fact that we're now getting national governments launching uh, incursions into other territories to take them on rather seems to suggest this is a, a, a critical problem that's reaching a critical phase. Uh, what's your assessment of the impact that this group is having? Because they are, it is quite a deadly effect that they have had on civilian populations in the area, is it not? Yeah, uh, thanks very much for having me. Uh, let me start by saying that the, the characterization of the current situation where you said a number of countries have come together. I think it's, uh, it's first of all inaccurate in the sense that right from around 1995, 96, when the first uh, war broke out in DRC, actually there were a number of countries involved. So from that time, we have had multiple countries within the region involved in trying to deal with the instability in Eastern DRC, including dealing with the ADF and other, uh, and other uh, militia groups within the region. Because uh, Eastern DRC is essentially a cocktail of, of multiple militia groups, some of them sponsored by the regimes within the region, some of them basically uh, uh, militia, led by militiamen uh, within the region. So, and, we, and, and actually in 2003, the regional countries under the auspices of the United Nations formed what is called the International Conference on the Great Lakes Region. This was supposed to be a platform around which all the countries within the region are mobilized to be able to take a concerted approach to deal with the instability and the, the violence in DRC. All these countries have failed. And the reason I say this is that as of now, Uganda has moved into DRC the ADF is a, a major destabilizing factor, but it is not the only uh, militia group or terrorist group within the, in the region. I think that the dominant narrative, which has been ADF is the terrorist organization that is conflict in, uh, causing conflict in the region, has its own flaws because it ignores the participation of all these countries. Uganda and Rwanda have been actively involved in the region themselves. On, on different critics, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, trying to demobilize ADF and other rebel groups like PRIA and others, and then there are also these groups themselves. So I think that uh, the fact that these countries are getting together, uh, they are trying to deal with an old problem, and Uganda alone going in with DRC without the participation of all the other countries that have been involved in the conflict uh, I, I doubt that it can be a successful operation. Uh, we can, I think we can disrupt the activities, but I don't think that that will be the end of these kinds of incursions because the problem in DRC is much bigger than ADF. Okay, um, let, let me turn to you, uh, Naleke van der Waal. Would you agree with that assessment? The ADF is being painted as the boogeyman here, but there are several groups which are having 
a destabilizing influence. Thank you and good afternoon. It's definitely the case that there are more groups active in Eastern DRC. But over the past few years, I think, I think we've seen that ADF in particular has been making a lot of deadly victims in Eastern DRC. They killed over a thousand civilians since 2017. So it's definitely a group that needs to be targeted. Whether that should be by military means remains the question. Because as already pointed out by the previous speakers, ADF has been active in Eastern DRC for the past almost three decades. And they have been quite opportunistic in forging alliances with local networks in Eastern DRC, with local businessmen, with the military, the Congolese army as well. And by forging these alliances, they have been able to persist for these years. And we've seen that previous military operations have been quite ineffective in targeting ADF. They managed to uh, recapture uh, camps that they previously lost to FRDC, the Congolese army. But what we've also seen is that they always retaliate against the Congolese population after military operations. So we've seen an uptick in human rights violations right after the Congolese authorities stepped up military operations against the ADF. So no, definitely a group to be reckoned with. Um, so, well, that's that's a fairly pessimistic view across the board from, from, from all three um, of you. Uh, so if, if I were to ask if this military operation is likely to work, uh, I guess, David, also the answer would be no. So, so why do you think the, the, the government of Uganda has decided to go in if this is essentially going to be a futile exercise? First of all, um, you know, um, if your only tool that you've got in your toolbox um, is a hammer, then you've, you've got to use it. Um, uh, and, and secondly, uh, you know, when it comes to counterinsurgency operations, especially in the case of Uganda, where we've just seen um, suicide attacks being set by suspected ADF members, the government has to, you know, um, develop some level of trust um, within the Ugandan population, but also internationally. And the only visible way of doing that is to say that, you know, it is deploying a preemptive strike or it is deploying its forces um, you know, to hunt down ADF. Um, so th that is one argument. Uh, the, the second one is, you know, whether this is going to be effective in any way. And, and you know, um, most often people don't really look at the effectiveness of these, um, you know, uh, strikes that the government launches. First of all, they are very expensive. And secondly, as we've seen, um, you know, it's very unlikely that it will have any impact at all. Um, because these are groups that have embedded themselves, you know, for decades within the local population. They have information about um, activities that will be carried out. They can see that the government is deploying its forces and they'll simply go on the ground and find very, you know, um, good areas where they can hide or maneuver themselves, you know, out of that area. So this is just a show of force, you know, in my opinion. Um, the government needs that to win back some level of trust, you know, from the local population, but I don't know how long that is going to last. But I think the key here is how much collaboration and coordination is being done and how much intelligence is being gotten and what sort of intelligence about the capacity of the group in terms of, you know, the group's location, um, you know, um, even the, 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 the kind of uh, um, networks that the group has established. You know, this is the only way that you can disable a movement, you know, cut down its logistics, you know, supply, and ensure that it doesn't have the kind of capacity to launch more attacks. Okay. But with a group like ADF, it's going to be very challenging because this is an asymmetric warfare. It's not conventional. 
It, 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 it certainly isn't. Uh, I, I see you, Naleki Vanderval, uh, nodding along with that. Uh, but Gorba Tumushabi, uh, you, you outlined and described just how complex this regional situation is. Uh, do, do you think that there is likely to be an element of intelligence gathering between uh, Congo and uh, between Uganda? Do you think that the fact that there, we are seeing this military operation happening is uh, an admission that the situation has changed and that the countries are now looking to work closer together in a bid to tackle this? How do you assess uh, the situation? I think for me, the, the, only, the only thing that has changed is the, the bombings that happened in Kampara in the last one month, uh, in the sense that these were bombings of a new intensity. Uh, this was the first time we were having suicide bombers. Uh, if, uh, if what we are provided for in terms of publicly available information is accurate, and therefore that's for me, uh, in terms of the groups that are opposed to the 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 seven government or the the or their their basically the, the, there is an escalation that of the virus that was in the region, but let me put it this way, that ADF right from 2014, in this country in Uganda there have been high profile assassinations of uh, Muslim clerics, uh, almost more than ten of them have been assassinated in very, very uh, movie-like style. There have been assassinations of high-ranking military and police, uh, high-ranking police officers. And all these have been blamed on ADF. So the idea, the fact that now uh, Uganda is moving into DRC, I, I, I doubt that any situation has changed so far in terms of the understanding of ADF is. Because right now, other than the gentleman called Baluk that is known to be the leader of the group, there is hardly any publicly available information on the profile of who, are, who is ADF, what is the, its leadership structure, who are the active participants in the group, and therefore to the, to the extent that there is, there is limited information available, my view is that uh, uh, while there is there are attempts to improve on the on the on the human intelligence that uh, could lead these kinds of operations. I, I don't think that they have cracked the the real problem. I, I think that to the extent that DRC remains uh, more or less like the epicenter of conflicts in the region, because let, let me just quickly say that you, this region, uh, the Great Lakes region of Africa, is an is a conflict region. Sorry, I'm sorry to stay with you, but, but why is this region scene of so many conflicts? Uh, so the, the, there's uh, the, the, actually, I think the problem stems from the governance question that all the countries within the region, right from uh, the, 19, the mid 1990s, when there was uh, fighting against the late Mobutu Seseko of uh, DRC, former Zaire there was total breakdown of states in the region from DRC to Uganda, to Rwanda, to okay. South Sudan and Sudan to Somalia. This is a breakdown of state institutions. And therefore, when you have breakdown, then you have quasi-military and militia groups just emerging all over the place. And that is the problem that needs to be solved. I, I don't think that just 
even if one was able to do precision military strikes and uh, do these incursions that you, you are dealing with the crux of the problem, which is the whole problem of state capacity and okay. governance. Okay, um, Naleke uh, van der Waal, let, let me turn to you. It's clear this is a very complex background to the situation, a very complex problem. Are there any pluses that we can take out of this? I, I know I keep returning to the, the fact that uh, Uganda has... Um, agreed with the president of, of DRC for permission for this uh, operation to go ahead. Is there anything we can take from that? Is there an inkling of, of greater cooperation between these states now, or, or is, this, uh, is this something that should be disregarded? Yeah, that's a fair question. And I think it also relates to your previous question concerning intelligence sharing. I think what we've seen since President Chisikiri assumed office in January 2019 is that he has been reaching out to the region to find solutions to fight instability in Eastern DRC. He has been in touch with Uganda. He has been talking to Paul Kagame of Rwanda. He's also been in touch of, with President Nanishimiye in Burundi. So we've seen that he put a welcome premium on regional diplomacy. Um, there has been intelligence sharing between the various heads of intelligence of the respective countries in, in, the, in the region. So that has been happening. I think what is also important to note is that um, UPDF, so the Ugandan army, already uh, was present in uh, Eastern DRC in a small number to gather intelligence together with the FRDC, the Congolese army. Um, this has been ongoing for months to prepare, I think, the ground for what's happening today. Um, maybe just to add one more thing is that in order for these military operations to be effective, because I think there can be some efficiency in what they're doing right now, is for um, both armies to also consult the local communities. Because using the knowledge of the local communities can help by clearly defining the targets that the, both the armies would like to hit. So I think that's necessary. And on top of that, I think there also has to be some sort of structure in place that will allow, I think, the rank and file of the ADF to demobilize. Um, if there is a structure in place, um, we can welcome those that are willing to leave the armed group and find a solution to work with them as well. Okay, we only have a couple of minutes left, so I'm going to ask the same question to all three of you. Um, and if you could be brief in your answers, uh, I'd appreciate it. Uh, David Otto, how does this end? Uh, how do you think this will, will turn out? I think the way it's going to end is the way that it should end is that we, we've got to bring the three dogs in the fight, you know, the big ones. I mean, bringing Rwanda, uh, DRC Congo, but also. Um, Uganda, I know we slightly would bring in Burundi, which, you know, I don't think, you know, would be so much effective in, in the coin strategy. I think what we should be looking at much more here is a huge element of coordination and collaboration uh, between uh, these, these countries, but also to ensure that they have enough capacity and remove that element of bad blood which exists at the moment. Okay. Um, if I, uh, Godber, to, to Mushabi, how do you see this playing out? No, the, the, the conflict in DRC is a regional conflict. Uh, there are vested interests right from private, uh, individual presidents, but also the countries. It can only be handled as a regional conflict. You cannot deal with it as a bilateral matter between Uganda and DRC. 
So until I see the International Conference of the Great Lakes region making progress in terms of the actions they have discussed and agreed, uh, including sharing and, and action, action on intelligence, I can only predict that this is going to be just a disruption of, the, of these groups. Uh, we will be back here in another couple of years talking about the same problem. Okay, and uh, finally, Naleke Vanderval, uh, how do you see this playing out? Do you, are, are you optimistic at all? We'll see this cooperation, or will we be discussing the same thing again two years from now? Well, let's see about that. But I think um, these military operations can only be effective if they're very narrow focused. If there's a clear time frame that Museveni and Chisekedi agreed upon. Uh, apparently, there has been an MOU that the two countries signed that details the operations. I do agree with the others that armed groups in Eastern DRC are a regional issue. And with Uganda and Rwanda not talking to each other, I think that's the main thing that has to be resolved first, because both countries are accusing one another of supporting the ADF. So it can only be really effective if the region comes together and if they find uh, a solution together. Okay, Thank so you. a blueprint of sorts uh, to deal with this conflict. Uh, thank you so much, all three of you, for your analysis and your insights. It's been great to have this discussion. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Gloria Wangil-Lasal, Homera Chowdhury, Esaba Mirsieva and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Yara Atala. This programme was edited by Mohamed Abulnaja, Lynn Nguyen and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Thursday. Thursday.